Good afternoon. Welcome to the Extravagant Promises podcast. I am Gregory, and I am your host. This is episode one, Calling All Angels. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. In this podcast, we share our experience, strength, and hope. We do this for ourselves, we do this to serve others, and we do this to help anyone who is struggling, alcoholically or otherwise, inside the rooms and outside. Please understand, this is not an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. We encourage everyone who listens or everyone who needs help and everyone who is in the program to attend meetings regularly, to be a member of a home group, and to have a sponsor. We are not therapists, but we are here to help. We are here to share our message of experience, strength, and hope. Because this is our first episode, there will be some fits and starts. There will be some moments of awkwardness, and I'm sure you've already heard some. But hopefully, it is my intent to upload an episode each week with a different topic, a different connection to the big book, the 12 and 12 related readings and other readings that are helpful in recovery and also in the spiritual path of gaining serenity in our lives. As I said, my name is Gregory. I am an alcoholic. My sobriety date is July 19, 2015. I have a sponsor. My sponsor has a sponsor. I regularly attend meetings, in fact, almost every day. And I have a home group. I do ask that anyone who listens to this podcast honor and respect my anonymity as well as the anonymity of everyone else who listens and anyone else who may be in the program. And though I, I will have avenues by which people can contact me through Instagram or the podcast email, which is extravagantpromisespodcast at gmail.com, I do respectfully ask that my anonymity be preserved and that people refrain from trying to seek me out or identify me um, in any fashion. So today I'd like to start with the third step prayer, which is the prayer that my sponsor highlighted on the miniature version of the big book that he gave me when I came into the rooms. It's found at page 63 of How It Works. And it goes as follows. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. And this was a a prayer. I mean, my little miniature book here is pretty worn out 
and broken on the spine where I opened it every day for so long and read this on my knees as my sponsor directed. And today I, I, I want to talk about uh, how I came into the program. I'm not here to tell my story yet. I'm looking forward to that opportunity and I'm hopeful that there will be people who will want to hear it. I have shared my story at meetings and I have chaired meetings, um, but today I'm going to focus more on the incident um, and the, the more the, not incident, but the environment that I found myself in when I came into the rooms because I think sometimes um, we, we I, I, see, I, I usually see a lot of uh, kind of shares that fall into two categories um, at meetings and a lot of times it's either um, just tales of woe and how horrible things are or it's lectures and, and very barking uh, uh, homonyms and, and axioms and do what we do and do and all this. And, and that's not what um, this podcast is about. It's about rigorous honesty and it's about radical acceptance. And it's my attempt to serve my fellow man and woman by sharing stories, experience, strength, and hope, but also maybe some some readings that I've come across and some things that I've seen that might help. Uh, it's not advice, it's not opinion, and it's not it's not crosstalk. It's just simply my story. I'd like to share a little bit about my desires for these podcasts or my thoughts. Um, I did originally intend to read how it works at the beginning of every podcast, but as I was reading it in the first recording of this podcast, I I thought of Tradition 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And I do believe that I am maintaining personal anonymity here, but I started to feel like reading how it works just didn't feel exactly right, so I stopped and, and I re-recorded this episode. Um, I don't think that means I can't read from the big book or share. It just meant that... Um, because certainly there are many, many epic and, and wonderful works. The imperfection, of, the spirituality of imperfection, codependence no more, um, the language of letting go, more of the language of letting go, really great books that have been instrumental in my recovery and were given to me by my sponsor and, um, and certainly quote the big book. So um, I will probably work through that as we get deeper into the episodes, and I, I, very, I may very well add in how it works, um, but it just didn't feel right this first time. I don't know why. Um, I, I, I don't want to cause controversy by any means. This is a very deeply meaningful effort by me. I, I, I have been saved by this program. I, I find that, that my ability to deliver the message in this medium is my way of service, um, and I want that to to be a help. Um, but I am a little nervous about doing it, um, and and it's a big world out there. But but I feel like this is my best way to honor the 
program that saved me and to honor my duty of service and to hopefully be something that someone somewhere when they can't get to a meeting maybe you're sitting in an airport and you're hearing the clamor at a bar or maybe you're on the road in a truck or you're in your car and you're on your way to work or on the way home and and you could just use a little bit of experience strength and hope maybe a story of redemption a story of recovery and that's what i want this to be nothing more nothing less so this episode is called calling all angels um, some may recognize that title as a song by Lenny Kravitz. It was um, shared with me in June of 2012, shortly after I learned that my very best friend in the whole world for 30-plus years had passed away suddenly and tragically. And that marked the crack in the ice, so to speak, of the glacier that would ultimately, three years later, culminate in me finally coming into the program. And like I said, I'm not going to share my story, my full story of who I was, how it was, what happened, and, and how it is now, but I am, I do feel that it's important to know that um, what happened to me and why I am a believer in the promises, why I am a poster child, as I always say, for the fact that the promises, and, I, and for those of you who don't know, the promises are found in the big book, and I will be reading those at the end of this segment, but they make certain promises about what will happen if we follow this path. And the big book, it says, are these extravagant promises and collectively uh, we respond we think not and and I and, and I don't just think not I know not I know that the promises come true and they are true and they're beautiful and they save my life and they and it's it's what I live every day and I live with the glory of these promises and I want others to share in that and to have that as well through this program and through this podcast hopefully can help get you there but but in 2012, after my best friend died, and not because my best friend died, just that was just something that I think um, allowed me in my mind to let go of the pretense of trying to make my life work. It was a, in a lot of ways, I used and I dishonored, I used my, my best friend's death and I dishonored my best friend by almost using it as a reason to drink excessively and behave irresponsibly, to let resentments towards friends, family, clients, opponents just bubble to the surface with impunity such that I was, at the end, completely out of control in my mind. And I think to, to many people, and you know, I look pretty on the outside, but just a mess inside. But but the truth of it was, was I I I don't know if you know chicken or the egg, so to speak, with this event. But I certainly feel now that I I dishonored my best friend's legacy and love by falling to pieces in the aftermath of his passing. But 
that song calling all angels um, is important because I, I needed angels to come help me and through the program I've connected to a higher power I have come to believe that a higher power does exist that this wonderful beautiful universe and life is there for us and and that and that my higher power sent me a number of angels both both in my opinion this is going to sound crazy but human and otherwise that that came down and 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 came to my vision to help me stay alive and be the best human being the best father the best lawyer the best friend that I could be son brother ex-husband all of those things trying to trying to be a, a, a good person so I'd like to turn the clock back to Father's Day 2015 I had it was a Sunday obviously um, it's June 21st and I had just finished spending a week in Chicago it was my birthday that previous Monday and I had really come to a point of extreme stress and tension in my life such that I didn't I, I could no longer trust reality. I wasn't having a psychic schism or a breakdown necessarily, right? Breakdown, breakthrough, as they say in Jerry Maguire. Um, but I certainly was not able to keep up the pretense of performance and the pretense of happiness any longer. Um, I was also drinking, as I'd always been a very heavy drinker and I was somebody who could handle my alcohol very well, I was, I was drinking copious amounts of alcohol. And it was, um, it, I had just reached that point. And so I, I decided that on Father's Day, I felt like Jimmy Stewart, George Bailey, you know, in, in It's a Wonderful Life, I had decided that I was worth more dead than alive. I had all kinds of life insurance and and that I felt that the world would be better off without me, that, that I was worth more dead than alive. And um, I've, never, I've, I've never been someone who thought that, thought much of himself. I've always, I've always, people say I don't sell anxiety and I don't sell fear. I'm very outgoing and boisterous, but Inside I was a mess. Inside I probably still am a mess, but I needed an angel. I needed a superhero. And on Father's Day 2015, June 21st, 2015, I wrote the following in my journal. I am, once again, having a full-blown panic attack and mental breakdown. Why? Two major plates on my bar are heavy and weighty and interconnected. I cannot shake the poison of what once was and once and what could have been and what or what could be. I've made an absolute hash of my life. I cannot get under 
out from under my business stresses, plain and simple, my life stresses. Dear Lord, I come to you, 48, humbled, broken, crushed, a sinner on bended knee. I am lost without you. I am lost. I beg your help. Please th see me through this time of terrible heartache, sadness, stress, and anxiety. I simply cannot do this. I am at my end. I have two daughters who are so beautiful and loving. I have squandered your gifts. So, so, so many gifts. I shall serve you. I shall love you. I am nothing. I am worthless. Please save me. Please save me. Amen. Those, even today, <clears throat> those are hard words to read um, because I know how I felt when I wrote them and I know how I feel when I read them now. And I... I simply could not get out from under the rock. Uh, the rock that I'd put on my own shoulders, the rock that rocks that had been put there, rocks that I was, you know, standing on, <laughs> I couldn't get away from the rocks. And I was begging my higher power for, I was calling all angels. I was asking for a superhero. I was sending up a light into the sky saying, hey, if there's someone there, please, please send somebody to my help. I need you. I've got so much to give the world. I've got so much that I'm so capable of so many things, but I'm at, I'm at the end. And I knew that the end was near. The end was close. And um, I didn't go right in the rooms that day. Um, it actually only took a couple more weeks, though, of some additional research, as we say, some additional experience outside. And um, I was sitting in a room in a little apartment that I had rented. I was living after I'd gotten separated. And, you know, it was pretty expensive, but it, it was pretty pathetic, too. Um, for me and uh, in my mind and I felt like I was you know an old man in a fancy apartment building with a lot of young professionals and kids and I, I didn't feel welcome I didn't feel comfortable there I, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin and a gentleman uh, who I won't identify by anything other than his first name named Eamon uh, was was visiting me and um, he knew my brother, and we all went out to breakfast, and my brother was coming through town, and we all went out to breakfast, and, you know, my brother seemed pretty good, and obviously I was a long, long way from good. And we got back to my apartment, and this is, this is on the heels of, I mean, it, it, every day was on the heels of some, some, some big drinking, but, but this is on the heels of a pretty good about three, four days of some hard partying with the fellas and things like that. And, um, and Eamon turned to me and he said, and he said it with an English accent. So, you know, as I say, everything sounds better when it's got an English accent. I mean, am I wrong? Everybody sounds smarter. Maybe it's just an American thing, but um, I love listening to 
this Presbyterian church podcast over in um, Scotland because it just sounds so much cooler. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I mean, I remember when I was up north in high school, um, people would talk about my southern accent. I was always a little embarrassed about it, but uh, maybe it was cool after all. But either way, um, Eamon has an English accent, and and Eamon said, your brother's worried about you. I said, well, how do you know? Did he say something? He said, no, I, I, I don't know. I could just tell. And I said, well, what's he worried about? And he said, looking me straight in the eyes, I don't know, but I'm worried about your drinking. And I looked at him, and I'm sure there were people, probably my mother and other people in my life who had said the same words, but for whatever reason, I'd never heard them. I'd never thought that anyone could care about me. I'm sure people had said something about my drinking, but I thought it was more to just criticize me rather than to say they're worried about me. I don't know. I don't know, but it was like I was seeing for the first time. I was hearing for the first time. I had been sent an angel. I'd been sent a superhero. And he said to me, I'm worried about your drinking. And I said to him, will you go to a meeting with me? Will you go to an AA meeting with me? And he said, yes. And we looked in the online and we found a website and we found uh, a meeting that I knew was right next to my apartment and we went. And I walked in and I saw somebody I know and it was somebody that I admire greatly and that I thought a lot of and I didn't know if he was in the program or not, but I was mortally afraid. And I suddenly realized, well, this is kind of odd because if, if he's here, then maybe he's in the program <laughs> and maybe he won't judge me. So I went to that meeting and I liked what I heard. And the person that I saw and admired came up to me and said, are we going to do this? Are you okay? What's going on with you? I said, I'm, I'm in a bad way. You know, and, and I'll, I'll read a little something more from my journal here that goes back to that Father's Day when I said, I'm worth more dead than alive. Father's Day failure my life, I'm a narcissist. I'm so consumed by my own drama that I'm plummeting into the abyss. I'm the one who did the hurting. I simply don't know how I will be able to continue. My bridges are burned. My marriage is over. My family hates me. I am finished. Debt, expectations, hopes, dreams, dashed. I did this. I did this. I wanted this. I wanted this. I am near the end. I have got to keep it together. God, Jesus, help me. Boy, that, that if you know, as Tommy Lee Jones says in the movie, No Country for Old Men, you know, if it ain't a mess, it'll do till the mess gets here. If that ain't desperation, it'll do till desperation gets here. <laughs> you know, um, and lucky for me, um, like I said, I, I was asking for an angel. 
I was asking for a superhero and and I got one. I got a lot of them. I got an entire program of superheroes. Anonymous superheroes who show up, kid up, get to meetings so that I can come in there, a sorry ass excuse and 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 ask for help and share my story and hear stories of salvation and redemption and recovery and get back out there. So what happened there? I went to that meeting and I just kept going to meetings and I never felt a compulsion to drink. I will share in future stories, future episodes, the times that I came close to having an effort moment. Um, but it wasn't about a compulsion to drink. I was gifted and I say gifted, and I'm very, very grateful for alcoholism, for Alcoholics Anonymous, and for the program, and for alcohol. Um, it's like the Trinity. Without alcohol, there would be no Alcoholics Anonymous, and without alcoholism, I would not be in this blessed state, in this amazing program, and in this, this world with so much to offer me. And, and, and most importantly, I would not have the connection to my higher power that I do. I would not have that spiritual belief that I have now if it weren't for all of those things. So I'm grateful for every pebble that got stuck in my shoe and for every harm that befell me. I'm not grateful and I do regret the things that I did to others and the places where I could have been better as a human being and a father, husband, son, brother, or friend. But I went into those rooms with a desperation. I had the gift of desperation. I wanted relief. And to be honest with you, if they had told me that I was addicted to lima beans or that I was a um, wateraholic, I would have said, sign me up. Whatever it was, I needed something to help me, help me get through this, to help me live another day, to find some way to, to, to ease the dis-ease and the soul sickness that pervaded my entire being. And I found it. I found it in the program. So what did I do? Well, I am someone who, and, and, and part of it was I surrendered. That's the first thing is I surrendered. I accepted that my life was unmanageable. There was no question about it. And I wanted what they had and I was going to do what they did. But knowing me, I was going to try to rewrite the steps, rewrite the book, I even at one point tried to rewrite the serenity prayer. I texted it to my sponsor who called me immediately and told me to go to a meeting, call him back when this nonsense stopped. <laughs> and thank God he did. Um, I, But what I had to do was I accepted that my life was unmanageable and that only a radical acceptance and a radical change of my behavior and radical honesty um, could could 
could help save me. Only something bigger than myself. I had a God-sized hole. And I needed a God-sized solution. And I needed a God-sized superhero to come in. I needed God, in other words. I needed a higher power. And I found my higher power. I do not know what exactly my higher power is. I don't know if it's a him or a her or an it. But I do know that whatever it is, it exists. And whatever it is, it loves me and it saved me. So I had to focus some things down in my life. And I decided to do a couple things that would help me, that would help me, hopefully, that I believed. Number one is I got a sponsor and I got a home group and I went to meetings and I did what they told me to do. Number two was I, 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 I made everything very, very simple in my life. I redefined success as binary. Success was not did I win some big professional kudo or, or challenge or defeat an opponent or win anything or be great at anything. Success, it was binary, zero or one. Zero was I drank. One was I didn't drink. And all I wanted to do was start collecting. And of course, if I drank the zero, you multiply something times zero, it's zero. You go back to zero. So I just wanted to string together ones. That was it. Is today zero or one? And thank the Lord, my higher power, I, I I, I have not relapsed. I have not touched alcohol. I have not touched illegal drugs or anything mind-altering substances since I went into the rooms. My compulsion was lifted. My behavior was lifted. I was able to stay focused and, 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 and get that daily reprieve, and I'm still fighting it every day. But it's zeros and ones, and I, just, I was able to string together ones. And that was it. It's today is going to be a one. The other thing I did was I simplified down the steps in my mind, not, not to change the steps, or, and I'm not suggesting anyone do that, anything of the sort. What I'm saying is that I just had my own sort of truths because I accepted first that I was concussed, that I was drunk on life and, and substances. I, did not, I could not answer questions of reality. I felt that I had been gaslit or gaslighted, as some people say, by, by certain circumstances. I could not trust myself or reality. I didn't know whether people loved me or hated me. I didn't know whether I was doing well or doing poorly. I did not know anything, and that was hard and scary. So I first said, my first truth was, I know nothing. My second truth was, something has to change and it's me. My third truth was that there was medicine in the rooms, a powerful, indigenous, life-changing God gene or molecule, science or, or something bigger than science in the, in the rooms. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how it worked, but I wanted it to work on me, and I thought it could. I also saw that there was an opportunity for me to connect to something higher and bigger than myself through the program. 
maybe finally find a doorway to religion and a higher power. And I was going to keep going to meetings. And then my final truth was, I'm not going to drink today. And with my new definition of success and my little truths, I said to myself, let's give this a shot. Maybe, you know, I'll be under a bridge in a few weeks or something. Maybe I'll, I won't make it. Um, but maybe, just maybe, I will. And there were some other things that I did. You know, I, I, I committed to being honest, radically honest, and I committed to making pro- a few key promises and keeping them. And I had people in my life, an accountability circle, who kept me on that path. Um, I made a promise to some very prominent and, and loving psychologists regarding my family and my and myself, um, you know, I said they made me promise that I wouldn't hurt myself because I think that everybody worried that I was at that point, you know, of desperation that I just I, I didn't know what to do. And I made such a promise. And I also decided that, you know, the only way that I would ever probably pull it off if I was going to do something harmful to myself was if I was intoxicated and I made a promise that I would ne- I would never want my kids to find out that I died drunk or drugged or anything like that. So I was like, I'm going to stay alive because I'm not going to die drunk and I'm not going to drink. So I'm not going to get drunk. So I'm going to stay alive. And it's a weird, I'm not even trying to put that logic chain together for you or anyone else, but that's what was going through my mind was that this is how I'm going to get through. You know, the body will adapt. And we're going to talk about neuroscience and things like that on this podcast in deeper episodes. But the physiology, you know, you'll, you, you see people that walk in a different gait or something. It's because their body's compensating for a weakness somewhere. It's trying to overcome something. You know, we're an incredible mind and body and and we come up with things in order to try to stave off fear and hopelessness and and anxieties and and hunger and things like that um and that's what i did you know i just came up with this simple set of this simple plan i had to make sure that it did not matter what happened to me if I stayed sober that day, it was a win. It was a one. It was a, you know, it's funny, one, O-N-E, or one, W-O-N. You know, language games. But I was winning if I was sticking to my program. And, you know, in future episodes, we'll talk all about this. Um, but it was not easy. That's for sure. You know, those first 180 days, nine months, boy, it was tough. I was in some personal and professional dogfights that were making things real hard for me. But I stayed the course. 
you can stay the course. Anyone can do this if they want it bad enough, if they want what we have of that, that if you got that desperation, something it ain't even working, but I'll tell you, it works. You never have to be alone again. You never have to drink again. You never have to drug again. You never have to hurt anyone again. If you just give yourself over to this program, it works. Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, I may be preachy, I guess, but I just want to share my story of how horrible it was and how I came to believe. Ladies and gentlemen, I called for the angels like a mystical or a mythical type guttural call from my soul. I called for the angels that day, June 21st, 2015. I called, I begged, I wrote down, please. I mean, do you know how humiliating it was to write those words as a, as a grown man, 48 years old with success and all the trappings of life around you and just to say, I'm at the end. I got nothing. I'm worth more dead than alive. I'm irredeemable. I'm unworthy. I don't deserve to be forgiven. These are things that I felt, and these are things we're going to talk about. But then that one, that beautiful man said to me, I'm worried about your drinking. And I said, let's go to a meeting. And he said, okay. He didn't, he's, he's, he's a sober man, you know, and, and, and he'll be on the podcast, but I, you know, I don't think he's really in the program or anything like that, but that doesn't matter. The, what matters is that he loved me and what matters is that he cared about me. And what matters is that he said the words, I'm worried about you. And I heard them and I took it and I took it and said, will you go? And he said, yes. You know, there are a lot of other things a man could do with his time than go to an AA meeting with a buddy. But he did. And there was another man there who I admired, and he said, I'm worried about you. Let me help you. I'm telling you, I called for the angels, and the angels arrived. I called for my superhero, and my superhero responded. And he sent me a program of superheroes. And my life has been amazing once I was able to, you know, you, hey, you're, you got kryptonite wrapped around your body. It's going to be a little hard for Superman to get through. But eventually it does. Eventually it does. You know, you stay till the miracles happen. And gosh almighty, they happen. I'm just filled with so much hope and love today for this program, for my higher power, for my life and what I can do. I'm really hoping that this pro, that this podcast is something that other people find helpful. I mean, I'm doing it for me, but I'm doing it as my service. I suppose, you know, it's 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 not important that it be popular or anything like that. I, you know, but I'm just trying to do the best I can. I do feel like I have a story to share. And I feel that if there's one other person out there that's like me, you can take this loving, powerful magma and and use it to build a great life for everyone around you. I love everyone out there who's listening. 
Let's wrap this up. I think this is a good opportunity to wrap up the first episode, Calling All Angels. Do yourself a favor and listen to that song by Lenny Kravitz. Do yourself a favor and get to a meeting. Um, do yourself a favor, help another suffering soul. Um, all right. Let's, let's move on to the next step of this podcast. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Well, that concludes episode one, Calling All Angels, and I hope you will forgive me for the wooden and somewhat uh, stilted sound that I uh, had during that episode. I, I've listened to it a little bit, and it's it's hard to listen to yourself, but I did the best I could, and I was as honest as I, I had strict adherence to the facts. And that is um, the definition of honesty. So I'd like to wrap up with a moment of silence for everyone still suffering inside and outside the rooms. And the 11th step prayer. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred I may bring love, that where there is wrong I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, that where there are shadows, I may bring light, that where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted, to understand than to be understood, to love than to be loved, for it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. I hope that you have serenity in your lives. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app free for iOS and Android.